What's up? Hello. Good morning. Hey, if you don't know who I am, like Pastor Aaron said, uh, I'm the other youth pastor. My name is Grace uh, White, and I'm 24 years old, and I'm Pastor Adam and Anita's daughter, and I'm really excited to speak this morning. I only get to do it a few times a year. Normally, it's once, but I'm so good that they're like, let's go for two times. So I'm excited, and I pray that you guys are encouraged, challenged, and blessed by the Word this morning. Before I do start, though, I'm going to do a bit of a plug because I've got the mic and I can. Uh, And the plug is simply this. At the end of every year, we have a Christmas production. Okay, it's really amazing. We pack this place out. And so we want to open auditions up to anyone uh, that is 13 and over. Uh, And so that's most people sitting here today. So if you're like, man, I can sing, I can dance, I can act. If you can do all three, then that's really talented. Sign up at the Infidus after the service. It's happening here tomorrow from 3.45 to 5. Turn to the person next to you, say, I'm going to be there. Wow, that was awkward. It's like you guys didn't want to come. Oh my goodness. It's all right. We don't need too many people, but we need some of you, all right? Otherwise, it'll be a one-man show. All right. This morning, I want to um, speak to you guys about something I really feel that God's put on my heart um, for the young people here at this church, but also just, I think it's an encouraging word for anyone. And um, before I start and share with you what I'm speaking about, I want to tell you a bit of a story. Okay, so back in the day when I was younger and coming to church, I used to stand up the front here. There was about three people, max, sometimes four. You know, it was normally mum, dad, me, and maybe the flag lady if we were lucky. Okay, so we'd be at the front and we'd be worshipping. Oh, was that? Oh, not allowed to say that. Sorry, youth pastor, still learning. Um, so be at the front and I'd be watching my mum and dad praise and worship. And I love the way my mom and dad praise and worship because they give their everything. They give their all to Jesus every single week, regardless of how their week has been. Because I see them, you know, they have good weeks and they have okay weeks. And sometimes they have not so amazing weeks. But you know what? It doesn't change the way they praise God on a Sunday morning. And so as a young person, I'd sit here and, and I'd, uh, I'd watch mom and dad, not sit, I'd stand because I'm, I'm good. Uh, and I stand, I watch mom and dad worship. And you know, dad is so passionate. He doesn't know more than three words of any song. He'll know the key words. If it was come to the altar, it sounds something like this. The altar. And that's what dad does. And But you know, God sees his heart, so that's good. And then and then mom, mom does the rock and boat point. She kind of just, she sings all the lyrics and she just rocks like a boat and she points to heaven and it's beautiful. Now, I'm not making fun of my parents because to be honest, the way I worship, the way I do is just simply because I've watched their example. And I, regardless of how my week has been, will give my very all to God just because I've seen that's how they do life. And uh, a few Sundays when I was younger, I'd come home from church and I'd be very upset. I'd be very upset. We'd get lunch ready, Sunday lunch, rotisserie chicken, buns and coleslaw. It's how we rolled. And we sit at the table and I'd just be, you know, fuming up, getting ready to blow. And I'd say, Dad worship this morning. Be like, yes. And then, well, it was good. But you know, Dad, I turned around and you should have seen Bob and Shirley. Not a real couple, wouldn't do that. But Bob and Shirley, I said, you should have seen Bob and Shirley, Dad. If your name is Bob and Shirley. I'm sorry. It's not talking about you. I said, Bob, Dad, Bob was just standing there with his arms crossed and he wasn't even singing to God. And I was like, and Shirley, Dad, she was just like moving the side of the mouth like, oh, she was so and I was like, Dad, I just, I don't get it. And as a young person, this is how I interpreted it. When I saw my parents, I was like, man, they always give more and more to God. And because they do, they receive more and more from God. But Bob and Shirley, somewhere along the track, Bob and Shirley, they got complacent. They settled down. They, church was just something they did on a Sunday. They stopped wanting more and more of God and they kind of just did worship and sung the songs because it was part of what we did at that time of the service 
on a Sunday. The title of my message this morning is More and More. You see, the word more by itself means to have a greater amount of. But when you add more and more, it means to an increasing extent or degree, gradually more. It means it doesn't stop. It just keeps increasing bit by bit. I believe that God wants that for our lives and our relationships with Him. In fact, in every single area of our life, God wants us to keep getting more and more. More and more of Him, more and more of His presence, more and more boldness, more and more faith, more and more wisdom in in all the areas of our lives. I believe what He does not want is for us to get content. Content means this, satisfied with what one is or has, not wanting anything else, not wanting more. I think that's a scary reality for a lot of people. Nobody here today, you guys are all amazing, but there are some people who can come along to church on a Sunday and and just go through the motions. But I wanna encourage you today because I believe that God has so much more for every single person here this morning. I wanna read you a story and then I'll just pray and we'll get started. It's from the book of Kings. If anybody has their Bibles, Bibles, you can turn to that. 2 Kings 4 verses 1 to 7. It says this. One day, the wife of a man from the Guild of Prophets called out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. We're not off to a good start here, but it's okay. It gets better. It says, you well know what a good man he was, devoted to God. And now the man to whom he was in debt is on his way to collect by taking my two children as slaves. Elijah said, I wonder how I can be of help. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Nothing, she said. Well, I do have a little bit of oil. Here's what you're going to do, said Elijah. Go up and down the streets and borrow jugs and bowls from your neighbors, and not just a few, but all you can get. Then come home and lock the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into each container, and when each is full, set it aside. She did what he said. She locked the door behind her and her sons. As they brought the containers to her, she filled them. When all the jugs and bowls were full, she said to one of her sons, another jug, please. And he said, that's it. There are no more jugs. Then the oil stopped. She went and told the story to the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and make good on your debts. Live both you and your sons on what is left. I reckon that is a great story of giving a little that we have into God's hands and seeing him do more and more and more with it. Let's just pray before we start. So Lord, we thank you that we can gather here this morning and hear from your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that right now you'd be working on the hearts of every single one of us. I pray that the words that come out of my mouth would be yours and not mine. And we just pray that everyone would leave here, not just challenged, Lord, but also encouraged to see the incredible gifts and the blessings that you've put into each one of our hands. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Okay, I love breaking down scriptures and stories, so we're going to break this one down. So we're going to start off with the first few verses, and it says this says on the screen, boom, power's awesome. One day, the wife of a man from the Guild of Prophets called out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. You well know what a good man he was devoted to God. And now the man to whom he was in debt is on his way to collect by taking my two children as slaves. Elijah said, I wonder how I can be of help. You know, what I learned from this part of scripture is a few things about this man who has died. The first thing I learned about him is that he was a devoted man of God. And that's really awesome. The second thing I learned about him is that he was in debt. See, what we see is that because of the choices this man made while he was alive, there were some things that came out of it. First of all, because he was devoted to God, Elijah said, how may I be of help? And secondly, because he was in debt, there were men coming to take his children away as slaves. See, what I see in this part of scripture is simply this. The decisions that we make right now in our lifetime where 
but we're alive and breathing will actually affect not just our lives, but the generations to come, our kids and our kids' kids. You see, the, his kids didn't do anything wrong, but because of his choices, financially, his kids were being taken away. I think the decisions that we make now financially and spiritually, physically, will actually not just affect our lives, but the lives of the generations to come after us. Whether it be an overflow of blessings or maybe even some consequences, some struggles, we're actually setting up our kids and our kids' kids for their futures. We actually play a part in that. I think it's really important as well, the way we do life, not just because we're setting them up for the future, but because there's always little eyes watching us. And I know some of you may say, well, you don't even have kids, but I will. I'll have a lot of them one day. I'll fill this front up with my kids. Okay, that's how, uh, not soon, so don't pressure me because I've only just got engaged, but, um, and that can't happen to a while away. So the thing is though, the way I worship the way my brother and my sister does is simply because we've watched our parents and the way their walk is with God. It's always been a priority. That's what they've built their life on. And so because that's how they live their life, that's how we've lived our lives. The things we do now will affect the generations to come. I've shared a lot of the times how I used to work at Subway. I could get a job back there if I wanted. In fact, the other day I went into Subway and my boss was there, my old boss. And I was like, what's up, Ross? And me and Gia both used to work there. He's like, oh, it's the White Sisters. And then he's like, what's happening? I was like, I got engaged. He's like, free cookies for you. And so I got free cookies. They were oat and raisin, but it was okay. Um, so that was really exciting. But let me tell you something. When I started my job, I was 15 years old at Subway. I was one of the youngest employees there. And uh, I, I just was faithful and I worked away. I was a bit slow in the beginning because I'm a slow learner. But uh, I, I just kept working away. I turned up for my shifts. I had a good attitude. I didn't complain. And I worked the best that I could. So because I did that, when my sister needed a job, I was like, girl, got your back. Hey, Ross, Gia, Subway, let's do this. He's like, okay. So Gia got a job there. And because me and Gia were such good workers, especially when we were working together, we were like the A-team. We're like, okay, Rebecca, Rebecca Lee needs a job. All right, Rebecca, you need, we hook you up, girlfriend. You come over here. Rebecca was like the smiliest employee you'd ever met. Okay, and so us three were like, you didn't even mess with us. Like, I don't even know if we got put on together, but we would have like made great increases in their funds if we did. But we were incredible workers. We did an excellent job while we did work there. And you know, because we did, Rebecca's little sister, Cassia, when she needed a job, guess where she works? You'd be surprised. Subway, Subway. She's like, I need a job. We're like, right, Ross, hook her up. The thing is, though, and now Jess Ward as well, I don't know if, where she is, but she has a job there. She's one of our youth leaders. The thing is, we set them up. Imagine if we were terrible workers with bad attitudes who complained about everything. They wouldn't have had a chance, but we weren't those people. We were the people who set them up for success. So when they needed a job, they had one just like that. The choices we make, not just here at church, but in our workplaces, in our homes, they're going to affect the people that come after us. Moving on, the story continues when he says, how can I help you? She says, he says, tell me, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? What he's asking is a very simple question. What do you have that's within your reach? What's already something that you have in your hands that I can use? Elijah wasn't asking here, all right, I need you to travel down the road. When you travel down the road, you'll see a fig tree. Next to it is a river. Travel down that road. He wasn't saying, I need you to travel. Get me all these expensive, really great materials. He's like, what do you have that's within your reach? And her first response was, nothing. I've got nothing. Isn't that crazy how sometimes we can speak before we even think? She was like, I've got nothing. 
I know I can be like that sometimes. Not often, but sometimes. And uh, I like shopping, so I'll tell you a little story about my shopping. It's a problem, and the Lord is helping me with it. Not buy more clothes, but he's just helping me not to buy more clothes. Need to pay for a wedding. But uh, Sorry Saturday happens every year. This is the one shopping kind of outing that my mom, no one can stop me from. Because I'm like, this is for a good cause. I'm helping the church and the children and everything. And so I come in, and I walked out of Sorry Saturday this year with what looked like Santa's sack full of clothes. I'm not even kidding you. I spent way too much money. I didn't need any of the clothes. But um, I walked out, and I got home, and I was real excited. So I'm one of those people, when you get new stuff, I rearranged the whole closet. So I rearranged my entire closet. It was beautiful. I refilled the sack with all the clothes now that I didn't want to wear anymore for the next Sorry Saturday. I'll tell you what happens. My closet is so full of clothes. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you 100%, in a month's time, I'll be running late to something. And mom will say to me, what are you doing? Why aren't you ready yet? And I'll say, because mom, I've got nothing to wear. Because I've got nothing to wear. Now, it's not the fact that I have nothing to wear. I have too much to wear. That's the problem. I don't even know where to start. And it's not the point that the lady didn't have nothing. It's sometimes that we get so used to the things that God has put in our hands that we don't see the value in them anymore. We get so used to it that we're like, oh, I don't really think I can use that. I don't know what I could do with that anymore. But you know what? God has placed things in everyone's hands. If we just take a look, we can actually see what he can do with it. She carries on to say, well... I do have a little oil. Was it a lot of oil? No. Was it no oil at all? No. Was it really expensive Arabian oil? Don't know if they make oil, but let's just say they did and it was expensive. No, it wasn't. What was it? It was a little bit of oil. But it was enough for God to do something incredible with. Uh, Some of you guys may know the story of the five loaves of bread and two fish. Okay, Jesus, he did the Sermon on the Mount and he was speaking to so many people. There was 5,000 plus people when he was speaking. After he'd finished, he turned around to his 12 disciples and he said to them, all right, this lot right here, this section, this section, and, and that's it. I need you to feed them all. Now I guarantee you the disciples, they had lunch boxes. They would have had a few rolls, some coleslaw and some chicken, okay? But they weren't looking at what they had. They started to look out of what they didn't have, and they're like, okay, we don't have enough to feed these 5,000 men and women, so we can't do it. Sorry, Jesus. But then there was this this boy, one boy. He's like, I don't have enough, but I have five loaves of bread and two fish. And so Jesus is like, hey, I'll take that. I'll use what you put in my hand. It's, It's crazy. When we take what we have in our hands and we put it into the hands of the one who created it, what he can do. Because it talks about then how Jesus created more and more and more, so much food that there was 12 baskets of leftovers. Sometimes the things that God wants to use is not out of our reach. It's within our hands. It just takes us putting it into his hands for the miracle to happen. If we give God nothing to work with, he'll do nothing. But if we give God something, no matter how big or how small, he can do a miracle. And I've got to say, That sometimes it just comes down to trusting God. You know, the boy with the five loaves of bread and two fish, he wasn't, if he he had, for example, if he had 5,000 loaves of bread, 8,000 fish, and four chickens, because it's expensive back then, okay, this wouldn't be the story. 
leave the chickens. Sorry, Al, I didn't know you're sensitive about chickens. <clears throat> leave the chickens. Um, if he had 5,000 loaves of bread and 8,000 fish, right? And he comes over and he says, Jesus, I got five. I got food to feed all these people. Here you go. Have some food. This wouldn't be the story about how Jesus took a little and made a lot out of it. It would be the story of the generous boy. See, when we give a little, when we give what we have, we put it into God's hand. That's where the miracle happens, but it's also where the glory goes. The glory goes to God and not to us, and that's where it belongs. The story carries on to say this. When she's like, I do have a little bit of oil, he said, well, here's what you're going to do, girlfriend. He said, that's not, that was a grace of five vision, sorry. He said, Elijah, go up and down the streets and borrow jugs and bowls from all of your neighbors. And not just a few, but all you can get. Then come home and lock the door behind you, you and your sons. Pour oil into each container. When each is full, set it aside. I love that. When each is full, set it aside. He's not going, all right, now God's going to do this miracle, but it, it made 50-50 work, so just half, half full every jar, okay? Don't get, don't get too greedy, all right? He's like, no, when each jar is full. See, when, when we put something into God's hands, He fills it 100%. He doesn't go, all right, let's give a few drops into each little area that you're, uh, you're putting into my hands. No, He fills it 100%. And then it carries on, and it says this. I love this part. It says, she did what He said. She locked the door behind her and her sons as they brought the containers to her. And she filled them. I love this. She did what he said. I don't know about you, but if you read this, I think it's a bit strange, first of all, that Elijah's like, go home, get containers from your neighbors, lock the doors. Get lock the door. I mean, what was going to happen? Everyone was going to start taking their oil? I don't think so. But she didn't go, oh, Elijah, you know, that's a great plan. But I don't like the, the locking the door bit. And I don't think I'm going to go to all the neighbors. Like my street is big enough to take it. I've got Realm Drive. I don't need anybody else. The thing is, she just did what he said. She stepped out in obedience. You know why? Because if we want a God outcome over our lives, then we've got to follow God's plans for our lives. It's not our plan and his outcome. It's his plan and his outcome. Yeah? Uh, I also believe the fact that when we give more to God the more he can give back to us. Every container started to fill up. Each one she put in the hands with the oil would fill up. Sometimes people get a bit nervous to give and to the house of God. And I want to share a quick story about a young person that came up to me in my office once. I was just chilling out there and uh, she came upstairs and she said to me, Grace, I'm a bit frustrated. And um, she was a girl, so we get frustrated easily. And uh, she's like to me, oh, I'm just so annoyed. I was at work today. And I was like, yes, share your heart with me, girlfriend. She's like, and I was just telling this lady how I really want to step it up, you know. I really want to serve more in church. I really want to do more for God. And I was like, okay, that's cool that you said that. And she's like, yeah. But then the lady said to me, oh, be careful how much you give to the church and how much time you spend doing God's stuff. There's so much out there in the world for you. And what annoyed this girl was not that someone had said that to her, but it was because the lady was a fellow believer and the girl was expecting to get encouraged to keep on pursuing Jesus and to keep on stepping it out for Jesus. And I said to her, I said, well, well, let me sort her out. No, I didn't say that. Uh, I just said to her, hey, I said, the more you keep on giving in different areas of your life to God, the more he will fill. And that's a step of faith. It's an obedient thing that we've got to trust God with. I'm going to turn the page. That was so holy right then, right there. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> this is true. 
in our relationships, and in our workplaces. In fact, in anything, you'll see that the more time, the more effort, the more money you spend into something, the more you're investing into it, the more something will grow. If you really want to do well at work and you want a promotion, you don't go, okay, I'm going to give less time, less effort. I'm not going to give any more, and I'm expecting to get this promotion. No, you wouldn't do that. You'd say, man, I need to step it up. I got to give a bit more energy, a bit more time, a bit more excellence into the situation. The same happens with relationships, even marriages. I'll be married one day soon, and, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be married and content. You know how people say, "Oh, I just get married and settle down." Heck no, I settle up. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I'm not gonna marry and settle down. You don't, you don't get married and then everything is downhill from there. You got to keep learning and keep giving more and more to one another. I know, I'm not even married yet. Hey, man, hallelujah, it's gonna be good. Um, the thing is, it just, it's for anything in our lives. Whatever we give into, we're going to receive from. If we don't invest our time and our effort into something, we can't expect to gain anything from it. Cool? Cool beans. Carries on to say this. When all the jugs and bowls were full, she said to one of his sons, another jug, please. And then his son replied by saying, can you just put up the next slide for me? Because I don't have it written right in my scripture. There are no more jugs. Then the oil stopped. It says, when all the jugs were filled, she said to one of his sons, another jug, please. But he said, there are no more. And the oil stopped. I love this. When all the jugs were full. What did she put into God's hands to work with? Oil. So then she got the containers and she was faithful and obedient, right? So she keeps filling containers more and more with oil. God didn't go, all right, because you're being so faithful, I'm going to start to fill your fridge with food. I'm going to start to fill your cupboards with linen. That's not how God worked. He kept providing in the area that she was being faithful and obedient with the area that she put into his hands, he provided for. See, I believe we all have oil, and I'm not talking about the peanut oil or the olive oil you have at home, but I believe we all have gifts and, and talents and areas that God has placed into our lives that if we put into his hands, he can do more and more with. I want to chuck out an example right here of my beloved Nana, also known as Judy White, J-Dub. No one's ever called her that, but you can start. That'd be cool as. Um, but Nana, she loves to pray, okay? And she now lives with us below in the bottom part of our house, her and Granddad. They're crazy. It's amazing. And uh, our front door is here, right? And then their front door is right next to it. So sometimes I'll be coming home. And as I'm clicking in the buttons, I hear this... And she pops out. She's like a little fairy. She's like, hey. She's like, Grace, I've been praying for you. And I'm like, okay, Nana. She's like, and this is what I got for you while I was praying. I was like, hallelujah, amen. I get slain in the spirit on the spot. It's amazing. And I'm like, wow, thanks, Nana. But you know what my Nana doesn't do? My Nana doesn't go, I've just got prayer. So I guess I'll just sit at home and pray because that's all I've got. No, Nana goes, all right, I can pray. That's, that's my oil. So I'm going to pray for my family. You know what happens when she prays for a family? That's another container that she fills up. And then Nana goes, oh, they're doing 21 days of prayer. Holla, that's up my aisle. I got some oil for that. So she goes to 21 days of prayer. Guess what that is? That's another container filled up. Then we do Tuesday morning seek now. So she's like, I'll turn up to that. I'll turn up. So she turns up. That's what? Another container full. Youth on a Friday, you'd be surprised. You know where she is? She's here. Youth on Friday. Maybe she ain't jumping down the front, but I tell you where she is. She's upstairs. What is she doing? She's praying for the young people. That's another container full. She's not going, I've just got prayer, so I'm limited. She's going, I've just got prayer. I wonder how many areas I can use this prayer for, this oil for. We all have that. Everybody here has that. We just got to find out what it 
is. It goes on to say this, she went and told the story to the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and make good on what, good on your debts. Live both you and your sons on what is left. When we recognize what we're, what's given to us, what's put in our hands and we're faithful, we're obedient and we're wise with it, this is what happens. The lady had oil. That's one thing she could put into God's hands and so he increased it more and more. What she did not have and where she was struggling was the money area. And so she's like, I, I have oil, I don't have money. So God's like, be faithful in this area with the oil and then see what I'll do. So when she was faithful in that area, the prophet said to her, now take the oil, sell it, make money, pay off your debts. When we're faithful in one area that we're blessed with, God can transfer that and help us to overflow it into the areas that we are struggling with, that we need God to provide in. I don't think in this church, in fact, anywhere, that there is an age or a spiritual maturity, maturity, spiritual maturity. There is an age or spiritual maturity where God decides, you know what? You've had enough of me. I don't think I'm going to give you any more. He doesn't go to Spencer when Spencer goes to evangelize. He doesn't go, all right, Spencer, you've ever used you to heal three people tonight. That's enough for you tonight, all right? No more. God doesn't do that. God's a God that says, man, if you put something in my hands, I'll give you more and more and more, and I'll keep on exceedingly give you more. What I love about God is he's so like that, that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us so that our lives could be like that. There could constantly be more and more for our lives. You know, at the beginning of this year, actually last year, sorry, I've talked about how we were really struggling with youth, with numbers and young people going all over the place. And it was really hard for me as a youth pastor. But this year we're like, let's give it our all. Let's, let's go all out. And so we went all out and our numbers went from a few years ago, there was 150, then it went down to under 100. And we were like, no, this sucks. And then it, this year, it started going 120, 130, 140. And we hit 150 again. We were hitting 160 on some nights. And I was like, thank you, God. Hallelujah, we've done it. High five, God. And, and this is so good. This is where we wanted to get. We've done it. We've reached 150. And God was like, I'm sorry, excuse me? You've reached 150? That's it? He's like, oh. When did you decide, Grace? When did you decide that we stopped? When did you decide that that was enough? That I couldn't do any more than that? And I was like, oh, okay, oh, slap that. And I was really challenged by that because I think we can get used to God doing good stuff that we settle for stuff. And God's like, no, I'm not done. This is only the beginning, Grace. Yeah, I've got you to 150 level one. Get ready for level two. God's like, keep putting stuff in my hands and I'll keep increasing and I'll keep increasing. You know, at the beginning of the story, we talk about how because of the dad's choices that he made, because he was devoted to God, Elijah was willing to help. But because he was not very wise with his money, he was also in debt. And how the choices we make can affect the generations to come. And I think God's understood that principle because I reckon that's why He sent Jesus. Because you see, what Jesus did was He lived a life that we couldn't. 
And he did something physically and spiritually while he was alive. And that was dying on the cross. But because of the choice he made when he was alive, he's left an inheritance to every single one of us while we're alive. And you know what that is? That's a whole lot of freedom, a whole lot of forgiveness and, and grace from everything we've ever done. It's a new start. And God's like, look, my son paid the price and now you can inherit what he wants. Just before I close, I wanna share a quick scripture from the Bible and says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will fall into place. And you know, that scripture is simply talking about seek God, want more and more of God, everything else will start to fall into place. To be honest, sometimes we can do life backwards. You know, we're like, all right, let's get family in order. Right over here, this section right here, this is family. Let's get our family in order. Let's make sure all the kids are really well behaved. Let's, let's just get this down. We want an awesome family, all right? Family time, everything, let's get that in order. All right, we've got to be a really good family. Workplace, let's get work in order. And let's get to a good point in work. You know, let's get to uh, the, the income that we want. Let's make sure work's in order. Let's get our personal lives uh, in order. If we get our personal lives in order, that would be amazing. Let's get our marriage in order. Let's get all these different things in order. And then, and then if we can get all of that into order, man, God, we're gonna have an incredible relationship with you. It's gonna be amazing. But I tell you what, none of those things are a strong enough foundation to build a life on. See, I reckon we gotta do it the other way around. We gotta go, all right, God, there's a lot of things out of order in our lives right now. Family's not doing so good. Work is a bit struggling. And marriage, I don't even know, but I hope they're doing well. But if they're not, hey, God, I'm just gonna give more and more to you. And I'm gonna focus on you. And you know what happens when we seek first the kingdom of God, everything else starts to fall into place. Because the more and more we give Him, the more and more He can overflow into every other areas. These areas can't help those, but He can. He can. So we give more and more to God. Wow, that is the strongest foundation you can build your life on. Unshakable, unbreakable, no matter how big things may come your way, it's never gonna move. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, Pessa, that's awesome that God is like that. It's awesome that He's put that offer on the table to do life with Him. But maybe you don't know Jesus here this morning, so I wanna offer you guys the chance to get to know Him. So could you please bow your heads and close your eyes with me?